Hi, and welcome to episode 45 of the Mandarin Blueprint podcast. Uh, we've had a couple of cool things come in this week, actually. We've got an audio file from one of our clients, Pamela, who has sent in a recording of herself reading one of our stories. Now we have, if you're not on the Mandarin Blueprint method, we basically teach you how to learn Chinese from zero. I mean, if, even if you're not a complete beginner, you can still just jump in. We teach you characters, words, and eventually you unlock these words which build into sentences. And uh, you're reading, before you know it, you're reading entire paragraphs and even whole stories that are kind of uh, Chinese and Western folklore stories translated into Chinese and edited out, sort of like graded readers. And Pamela's got all the way to the end of our current format, which is about 600 characters worth and all the common words that go with that. And she's given us a, she's given us a reading of Nei Xin, it's a story called Patience. It's an old Chinese story that Annie, our editor, has, our writer, has edited. It sounds really good. I just want to say that first of all. It sounds really good. We're going to listen to a little bit of it. I'm going to sort of, I don't want to say critique, but we're going to just go through it and I'll say what sounds good and what sounds maybe that could, sounds like could use improvement. Um, I've already listened a couple of times. I'm actually quite impressed. So haven't done this yet before, which is why we've kind of delayed a little bit. Sorry about that, Pamela, because you sent it about three weeks ago now. But uh, let's have a little listen. So as you can see, you should see the screen share I'm doing right now. We haven't got the best technology, all right? Just gonna put the screen next to me here. And you can see you've got new story unlocked and you've got some top-down words, words that you haven't technically learned the characters for yet, but you've seen them a bunch of times at this point. So reading them shouldn't be too much trouble. It's actually quite a long story. Like I said, we're not gonna read the whole thing or listen to the whole thing. But, uh, and the audio is not ideal, but let's just go through it and see what someone can do with the Mandarin Blueprint method after a few months. 爸爸每天种花种草，但是。That's a really good one, actually. 种花 is not 种. This is a 多音字. It's a character that's got a couple of different pronunciations, and people often pronounce it incorrectly. That's really good. Well done. But one thing I would notice that the the it just sounds really nice. First of all, just sounds like a nice voice in general and a nice Chinese voice that you're that you're. Um, just nice pr pronunciation in general. One thing I would mention, the only little thing I've noticed so far is the very beginning. This could have just been a one-off mistake, right? But it was 很久以前, it's the ch, like a ch, 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 but with the tongue position that we talked about in the pronunciation mastery course. Yours sounds more like a T. 很久以前 sounds more like a tian, but that's just a minor thing. Let's keep going. 而且却... 知道玩，爸爸对他说：“儿子，你和我一起种花草吧。”我越来越老了。That's really good. 以后这些花和草。You can tell she's been doing her drills and Anki cards, the flashcards that we provide. 越来越老了。That was just a really nice little sentence there. Uh, obviously, you're missing a couple of characters when you're reading, but that's to be expected. I imagine you haven't read this too many times at this point. Uh, but the cool thing about shadowing, and this isn't technically shadowing, because shadowing you're supposed to be listening at the same time. Maybe she is. I'm not sure, but I'd assume she isn't. I'm sure she's just reading it. Um, but either way, when you're shadowing, it's best to, you know, you can't expect to get it great the first time. The, be the cool thing about shadowing is that you take one piece of writing like this, and you just listen to it and, and repeat and repeat and repeat over and over again. And you just, you notice that it gets better every single time. It's really cool. We used to give this, uh, when we used to do live courses, live classes rather, in Chengdu, we used to have, take a little um, dialogue from the Chinese pod, some, some Chinese pod episode, and we'd get everyone to recite it. And then we do it a second time, and then we do it a third time, and then a fourth time. So it's a really short 30 second dialogue. And everyone would, you'd audibly notice everyone getting way better each time. Anyway. That's it's good. I mean, obviously you're reading fairly slowly, which is good, but one thing, and, and completely normal, 
But one thing I would notice here, your pronunciation of like the zhi and the shi is really awesome. It's just really, it just, it just sounds nice in general. But the, the sort of speed, the rhythm at which you're reading is kind of stop and start. And this is a really common thing. So what tends to happen is you read a word or a phrase or a couple of words, whatever it is, that you know well, you read that really fast. You say, oh, I know that. Uh, so, you know, 很久以前, oh, I'll just read that really quickly. And then boom, you stop to, you haven't had time to fully register what the next character is and how to pronounce it and all these, you know, because it's all new to you, right? So I would suggest this, this is what, this is a trick that I still use, which is read about or aim for like 60% speed, but evenly across the entire reading. So instead of trying to rush through the things you know and read it really quickly and then stop and then read what you don't know very well really slowly and then really fast and then slow and fast and slow, try and sort of do it more like this. I don't know, like this. 很久以前,一个爸爸和一个儿子住在一起。爸爸每天种花,种草。但是,儿子... You know, because especially because some of this is more, some of this is more written style. Like, for example, we've got a chue in there. You put, you know, most of you might not know what you might not know what that is, but it's, it's more formal, I guess. And the more written style tends to be harder to say. So you're just going to be doing yourself a big favor if you try and slow the whole thing down. And once you can read the whole thing smoothly at a certain speed, then ramp up the speed by like ten percent or something. Um, yeah. So really, let's uh, listen to a little bit more. 儿子笑着说：“爸爸，种花种草有什么难的呢？你不要担心，我我如果想种，一定能种好。”说完又去出去玩了。Nice.一个冬天，他的爸爸病得起起不来，床只能让孩子去种种种花种草。买了以后拿钱给爸爸看，医生吃药。Yeah, so a few of the tones are a bit off, but that's to be expected. Uh, you 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 know you you read uh, zhong there as zhong. But um, overall, I would say really good. Not, not too many major mistakes. That's a tough one as well. Not it, well, it's, I can't say it wrong, really. It's difficult to say it wrong, but it's a two-third tone thing. Um, didn't mess that up at all. Got the two-third tones in there. Nice. You see that? 土里空空的, she said that really fast and really well, and then she's like, oh, and then you got to think about the next bit, right? So overall, I'd, and I've listened to this a few times before the podcast, and I would say that is, I've already said my main points, there's nothing really terribly wrong with this at all. It's actually really nice to listen to. So well done there, Pamela, and please, guys, keep them coming in, you know, send in, and we don't have to broadcast it on a podcast if you don't want us to. If you just say that in the email as well, no problem. Um, but it's good for us to get a handle on, you know, where you guys are. So that's just great to see and great to hear. So thank you for that. So let's jump into our first prop here. William Edmini's on pick a prop for shi, as in zhen shi, meaning sort of a, a person, usually a person of some sort of stature. And he says a tombstone. Oh, yeah, I guess that's because the appearance relates to the appearance and the meaning. Uh, another one from William, pick a prop for do. Dou, sorry, which is like a bean, you know, one dou is a, a green pea, for example. Um, that would be a giant, he's gone for a giant beanstalk, which makes a lot of sense. Well done. 
Uh, Sandy, who is our star student at the moment, uh, she says, pick a prop for shot. This is a bit more abstract. So this is like, a, means head, as in like the head of something. So in someone in charge of something. And she's gone for Sella from Monsters, Inc. Was that the woman, the horrifically un, just unpleasant thing that was uh, working with a horrible voice? Wazowski, yeah, from Monsters, Inc. Uh, there, yeah, she's in charge, absolutely. That sort of relates to the meaning there. Uh, another one from William for pick a prop for, uh, well, it's kind of, it's Gal, basically. So it's, we actually use Gal, this entire rather complicated character, as a prop in a couple of other important characters. And it's worthwhile making a prop for it. Um, so for Gal, of course, it means tall, and he's gone with Shaquille O'Neal. So you might think, how, is, how are we going to come up with an object just to represent that rather complex thing? Well, we use chunking. So of course, it starts with just the little top hat part. And then we chunk that with the top hat together with the, the mouth part. And then eventually, it chunks with the bit below it as well. So it all makes sense. It all makes sense once you actually get into the course. Uh, another one here we've got is pick a prop for jing, which means capital. And this is something that's pretty cool, which, which people do do a lot now, which helps with the more abstract meanings like capital, right? He's gone with the idea of capital punishment. So usually we say capital city. So I think we recommend like, you know, Big Ben as in London or the Eiffel Tower for Paris. But he's gone with a completely different idea, capital punishment. So he's chosen the electric chair. And there's a lot you can do with that as well in your memory palace scenes. Chad Wrestler on pick a prop for tsu, which means this, incredibly abstract. See what he done with it. Let's see. Uh, Bobby Brown, a highly skilled singer. One of the first things that came to mind was with the word this was the line in his song, Roni. This is what a real tender Roni likes to do for you. That's a bit out of my, um, it's not my uh, generation, I don't think. I think I might have just missed that. What a shame. Uh, so... Next pick a prop here is from Mel. And I, I, I want to say she, I don't know, he or she. Let's say she. Um, it's for Wu. And Wu means um, noon, as in like afternoon. Shang Wu, Xia Wu. The cross portion looks like the hands of a clock. And then the top component could be a cowboy hat to trigger high noon. Mm. It's resting on the highest part of the clock. Now, for this one, I would definitely change this because you've got, from what I'm understanding, I might be, I may be mistaken, but it looks like you've got two objects representing that one component, which is the opposite of what we're, this whole method's about. This whole method's about, like I said before, with the Gao character, it's about chunking things together. So, for example, for Gao, we have like, uh, like the character we had before with the, that William chose Shaq for. It's a very complicated character, but it's technically, it's, sorry, and a prop, but it comes from like three different props, right? So I think there's a top hat, there's like a Rolling Stones, like big mouth with a tongue. And then the one below, I can't remember what that was now, but that's another object. So it's like the equivalent of us just, instead of chunking it together and making it Shaquille O'Neal, just one thing or the Eiffel Tower, it's like the equivalent of just, I don't know, taking a top hat and a big mouth and, and the other thing that I can't remember what it is and just stapling it all together. In, in your thing, it's like remembering three things as opposed to just remembering one thing. So just choose one object and one of those will be fine. Like either one of those things, you know, you said, uh, well, really, it could be a bell tower because I guess that's loosely correct connected to like Westerns, you know, at the high noon. You could just have the bell tower and then like the, the big bell rings. Um, or you could have a cowboy hat, don't have both. You don't need both. Um, Sandy on pick a prop for, I'm pretty sure it's got a pronunciation, but I can't remember what it is now. It's, it's just so rarely used on its own, I believe. But um, anyway, she's gone for a triangular ruler because it looks like a triangle. Easy enough. Keep it simple, Sandy. Good job. Um, William Edmedes on pick a prop for, oh, he's still on the same, it's on the same thing. So let's have a little look. Uh, yes, yeah, so we've got a single prop for the top hat and the mouth together. He's gone for Abraham Lincoln, known for his top hat and his quote. So that's, that's a really cool idea because it's connecting the two ideas together and again, combining them into one. The idea of 
speaking like well with the mouth and the top hat because obviously you always have that big top hat uh william enemies again on pick a prop for again these three lines they don't have a pronunciation of course wolverine i saw that and i was like yes that was a good one deborah jansen good to see you there uh pick a prop for jian as in well interval could no uh it could mean uh yeah interval okay that's that's the definition that we've chosen uh stopwatch for timing intervals a big stopwatch so those can be pretty small remember to make it nice and big just because you've got to be really obvious in your dreams no little details it's got to be this is a stopwatch very big um the drop oh i like this actually this is a cool little thing the drop see the little drop in the top left corner of that character the drop is the button on the stopwatch yes yeah they're all sort of off off center as well aren't they yes it's really good nice little detail there uh sandy again pick a prop for chong or chong depending on where it is i went with a gas cylinder i guess because it's just generally a really heavy cumbersome object and chong that's what chong means as a character it means heavy so nice one uh sandy again pick a prop for jiao meaning horn so you've gone with a seashell horn nice <laughs> William again, another good one from William. Pick a prop for Dong, as in Dong Tian, winter, Jon Snow. Very good. I would have chosen Ned myself, but that's just personal personal preference because he's the one that always says it, winter is coming. But then again, Jon does too. All right, I'm not going to get into that. Chad Wrestler on pick a prop for Xi, a bat, because Xi kind of means evening. And uh, he's gone with the back because they are active in the evening. That's really good. All right, got some really cool props there today. Well done. Now let's move swiftly on to actors. Let's see what people have chosen this week. We've got a few actually this week. We've got three. Usually actors and sets. Not many people choose them because there's not as many of them, right? Uh, Mel again. It's <laughs> gone with uh, David Schwimmer for casting call. So. Casting call, just for just a quick reminder, it's choosing an actor. It doesn't have to be an actual actor, just that's what we call them. People from your life, either directly or indirectly, like you can watch them on TV, for example. People in your life that you know well or know a lot about. And you choose them to represent the initials. There's a blog post there for all these different sections of the podcast in the show notes for you to learn more about it. So it's David Schwimmer or Ross from Friends. His autograph even looks like it contains the character for Len too because he's not he's representing the letter r sound like a big fan there mel uh john sprague on casting call foo right as it my uncle come to stay with me recently and my dogs both they've both got like a little beard which i refuse to shave because it looks awesome and he's like oh fu manchu fu manchu and i'm like i don't really know what fu manchu is i, I know that name but john sprague for the fictional actor for fu fu he says, would it be in stunning bad taste to choose Dr. Fu Manchu? Uh, I read all the Sax Roma books. Some of this stuff, some of these things go over my head, but that's the cool thing. I always say that. Whenever I don't get anything, it doesn't matter. I'm not important. It's what's inside John's head that matters. And of course, I'm, I'm sure that's going to help a lot of other people on the course. Sisi. Uh, on casting call for Mu, so again another fictional actor for relating to the letter M in some way. She's gone with Mulan. Well done. That's a good one. Uh, good. So this next part is all about sets, and there's an interesting question here from Paul, which I'm going to read in a sec. But first, we've got our one suggestion here. So this is, the set is basically you get to choose a place that you know that's from that, that you've lived in that you know really well. And that's going to represent the 13 different finals that are in this system, the pinion finals, right? So for OU, that's the final for uh, OU, Theodore March chose his in-laws apartment in Guangzhou, which is nice because the OU is representative of the, it, re it relates, sort of connects your brain to it. So you don't have to keep looking up which one's your set. That's sort of, we call it set mnemonics, right? Very powerful thing. So that's a good one. And uh, it's nice to see another guy with the Chinese in-laws as well. How, how are you holding up, mate? Um, Paul Tomasovic on make a movie for Jin, uh, as in sort of, well, it sort of means today, but I don't think his question is related to the character. How do I know 
when or if to drop the first letter in sets, such as en, ei, ou. For instance, when I first look at gin, uh, gin, <laughs> the alcohol, jin, as in today, j-i-n, I didn't realize it was the en set until I heard you say it in the video. Other examples are jiu and dui, uh, which are d-u-i and j-i-u. These are actually the, yeah. In the video for dui, you explain that because of the pinyin oddities, anytime we are dealing with u-e-i, before initials like d, you drop the e. Anytime you see dui, gui, or hui, or the set is for e-i, which is exactly how it is in pinyin. So if you understand pinyin, you'll understand how that works. And it's only for these two pronunciations, the dui and uh, the jiu, you know, the i-u and the u-i, basically. How do I know when these rules for dropping the first letter in the sets like these? Now, you know, I understand the question. Like we've had a couple of people, well, I can tell you're pretty early on in the thing because um, you'll know because we only have 13 sets. There's only 13 sets. There's like 36 finals, right? But we've reorganized the whole thing. So there isn't an I set. There's not a set that's just I. So there's, you wouldn't be GU, the GU initial with I, the final. It just doesn't exist, right? And we've done that to sort of um, just to minimize the amount of sets you have to imagine because it's, it's much harder for people to imagine places than it is people, right? So, yeah, so EI is just, yeah, the EI place represents uh, EI, like uh, lay, for example, like tired. That would be the EI set. But it would also be anything for gui, which is if you study our pronunciation mastery course, that's, that's how pinyin works. So I suggest you go and rewatch the videos. And if anyone else is having issues with that, go rewatch the pronunciation mastery videos. Make sure you watch them because it really helps understand. Now, there is a sort of exception, and that is the EN and the ENG, right? Because it's uh, the EN applies to Jin as well. And I know that's not a pinyin thing. That's not, the, Jin is not J-I-E-N, but with the E removed, it's not. But we just didn't want to make another two sets that are just for N and just for NG when we could just put E in brackets and E in brackets for EN and ENG. Now, if you're not on this course, you won't know what the heck I'm talking about. You're like, I'm going to turn this off right now. Um, but essentially, you get used to it. So whenever you see anything that is ending in N or NG, but it's not AN or ANG, then it's EN or ENG. <laughs> Sounds really complicated, but it's not. It's not. It's only, it's only those two instances do you actually have to think a little bit about it. And that's only early on in the method. You get used to it very, very quickly. But if you are having problems getting used to it, even after like 30 characters, get in touch because we'll obviously have to make a video on it or something like that to make it clearer for you. Uh, and that's fine. We don't mind doing that, right? This is. This is a, we're always constantly learning from you guys about where the course is doing well, where it's falling short, and we're constantly working on improving it. So, uh, Paul, if you still have problems, they still don't get it after my explanation, which is <laughs> my rambly sort of explanation, you can go and uh, uh, check out the Pronunciation Master videos and keep learning characters. If you still don't get used to it completely easily, no problem with EN and ENG after character 30 or 40. Um, then yeah, get back to us. Actually, you might already be past that. Jin, what's Jin? I might be uh, digging myself into a hole there. Anyway, I'm just gonna move swiftly on to movies. So this is where it all comes together, right? As you know, this is where we have props, the actual objects, the people, the places, and we act out these, these different components to represent the meaning of the actual characters that we want to learn. And again, it's something that sounds much more complicated than it actually is, doesn't it? It's, uh, and, it and it can be a, li a little bit challenging, the first like five characters or 10 characters. But once you get used to this, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty incredible. It's pretty incredible. You can, as we've had some great feedback this week about things that people have been doing with this. Um, you know, a character in less than a minute. Read, write, reading, writing, pronunciation. It's awesome to see. And Chad got in touch with me recently. He said he's almost up to character 3000. He's really been taking his time with the course and thoroughly learning it. And he's just broke 300 characters. So well done there, Chad. Um, 
and it's just uh, it's great to see that you're still doing really well with it great um mel make a movie for Jen, which is one of the really early characters so let's see how she does ross from friends you know already established that one is in heaven's kitchen don't know what that is but you do and again that's the key the key part uh heaven's kitchen i guess would be the location the en representation and the second tone of course that'd be kitchen he is pitching bananas pitching is like throwing for people that don't know at jesus jesus who is cutting why jesus okay we'll figure it out he's throwing bananas at jesus who is cutting them into pieces with a samurai blade as the pieces fly about, they turn into banana people. They grow legs and begin to prepare a meal inside the kitchen. Reminds me of Fantasia when Mickey turns inanimate objects into magical cleaning helpers. I haven't figured out why Jesus is there. Uh, is it because Jesus is like considered God and he creates people? If so, he, he doesn't need to be there for this because... Um, and again, I, there may just be a detail that I'm not I'm missing or that you forgot to put in. But you, one of the rules, and again, I'm going to give you a break because this is a really early character. And, you, you, you know, it's, it takes a while to get used to these sort of little rules that we give you. But you don't, you, you don't want anything unnecessary in the scenes. It seems like sometimes it will help you. Oh, if I had like Jesus here, it would make more sense. But you can't just put stuff in for no reason because you've got to make these scenes not for you, well, not, not for you now, but for you in like a month when you forget why you put Jesus in there or three months or six months or even a year because you can forget these characters randomly. Your, your memory is sometimes a little bit unreliable, right? Even with, if you've got this awesome technique and if the character pops out your head, you have to go back into your movie scene, which you'll be able to do and try and recall it. You'll be like, why the hell was Jesus there? <laughs> like, what's Jesus doing? What is he representing something? I can't remember. So try not to do that um it doesn't work out very well in the long run we found from all of our experience doing this uh let's see what you got for the next story so this is uh the one immediately afterwards i believe for tong so it's like two two umbrellas or people whichever you choose for the props together long beach hotel christopher walken great choice is in the hotel kitchen a lot of people a lot of people gone with christopher walken unsurprisingly he is holding two wishbones furcular don't know why um, one larger than the other uh he is oh great you've chosen wishbone for that very nice we always get people to choose their own props and obviously you've gone with that one because that wasn't our suggestion but we'll certainly be adding that in uh he is explaining to the chef that one wishbone is from a chicken while the other is from a turkey he is insisting they served him the wrong bird based on the wishbones he found in his dinner he then stabs <laughs> each wishbone into the other unprepared meat on the counter. Okay, good, it wasn't someone's head. Uh, emphasizing that they are definitely not from the duck he had ordered. Now, I, I really like this, it's very, very vivid, very memorable, and it doesn't include any, like, like this is, someone might say, well, hang on a second, you've, you've got chicken in here, right? That's, that's bringing in extra stuff. Yeah, but it's related directly to sort of what the story that Mel's going for. It's directly related. Jesus had nothing to do, as far as I could tell, with the last scene. Um, but this at least has something to do with it. Now, there is the issue of um, you've got to make sure that it's, it's very visually clear that what you're talking about is the idea of from, okay? So, and if I remember correctly, when my video, when I was walking you through this in Tong, I was like using the idea of acting skills. Like, where did that umbrella come from? Because umbrella's the prop I used. Where's that umbrella coming from? And I'm really sort of overacting the idea of where it came from. So you could definitely pull that off in this as well. And I'm sure you have. But uh, just to make sure, just to remind anyone watching or listening to uh, do that. When it's an abstract meaning, a keyword, bring in foreign objects, you know, things that aren't the props and stuff, to, as long as they're related to it. But also rely, you know, if you want to make it even more simple and not mess yourself up in any way in the future, Maybe just try to rely more on emotions and acting skills in the actual scene in your head. And again, it seems like it won't work, but if you do it and see how good your recall is, uh, you'll see that it does work. Ah, great, we've got, uh, we've got a couple from uh, Ija here. Make a movie for in, which means sound, and it's gonna be white eyes, so it's a female, so it's Idina Menzel. 
Uh, my first rental apartment is the set and we've got a prop, we've got a vase on top and a sun, like an actual sun below that. It's quite a simple character. Let's see how she handles it. So after the successful return of Mary Poppins to the big screen, Idina Menzel figured out that it's probably a sound idea to start preparing for a remake of another classic movie, The Sound of Music. She practiced in front of my first rental house and used the vase or vase as one of her favorite things. She also danced with the sun prop as her ray, a drop of golden sun. That's really good, very good. Then she heard the sound of police cars dropping by. My neighbors claimed that she wasn't of sound mind. I don't know if you're adding in like a, another version of the word sound, but it sounds like you are. Ija does that a lot. Um, which is, is a really good way of sort of, it's a little insurance policy, I like to call it, um, in case the first keyword connection doesn't work too well. Um, she wasn't of sound mind as she kept on saying that she wants to follow every rainbow till she found her dream to get back into Broadway. Yeah, as usual, uh, another home run from Ija. Really good there. Great, let's look at Ija's second scene for this week. The next one here is cha, which means tea. And it's a fairly complex one. You know, it's not the easiest character to learn. It's got a few sections to it. I think it's got three different props. So let's see what she does. She's got Charlie Chaplin, C-H, uh, my apartment in, in Australia, and a prop. The props are a rose, which would be the top bit, the tao, and an umbrella, and a maple leaf. I guess the maple leaf is the bottom part. It was a beautiful, Beautiful Thursday, love the puns as usual, Ija, afternoon. And what better way to spend it than to have a tea party? Okay, maybe overdoing it now. Uh, Charlie Chaplin was in the, in the kitchen of my apartment in Australia and was using his creativity to make Chinese flowering tea by himself. He dried some maple leaves underneath an umbrella on my kitchen floor and then use them to wrap around a rose to form a ball, hmm. which was then again left to dry. The ball was then placed inside freshly boiled water and after two minutes and 30 seconds, the tea flower came to life. It tasted, guess what, terrific. He was surprised at the quality, okay, now it's funny again, of his novelty home, novelty home brewed tea. <laughs> And I thought it's probably a good idea to share it with the tea-loving community. Ah, man, it got funny, even more funny towards the end. So what's the meaning again? I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> really good, yeah. I like the idea of combining props together into like a final prop, which uh, as long as you focus on the individual props clearly enough at the beginning of the scene, the fact that they all kind of disappear towards the end, and become this new object. It, it, it shouldn't make too much of a big deal. It should be should be absolutely fine. Um, next one is uh, William Edmides on making movie for shi, which means to, oh to cause is the definition we've gone for, and uh, it's the actor would be Sean Connery. Sean Connery, so it'd be S H. Uh, lounge of childhood home, nineteen thirties. Okay, nineteen thirties. Okay, uh, not sure why I said 1930. Are you really old and just like, use moisturizer or something, William? Um, props, Chuck Norris, uh, representing the man component, of course, on the left. And razor blade for the top and as in history. So we've gone for choose a world leader that doesn't conflict with your final group of actors. So we've gone for Hilter, I guess you mean Hitler. Hitler was a bit down in the dumps about being rejected from art school too <laughs> one too many times. So he consults his longtime friend Chuck. Chuck pats him on the head with a razor blade and reassures Hitler that if he sets his mind to something, there's no telling what he can't achieve. Reinvigorated, Hitler leaves the room with a positive mindset. Soon after, Sean Connery bursts into the room saying, turn on the TV, to which Chuck did so only to discover a newscaster <laughs> reporting live the rise of the Nazi party. So you motivated Hitler. Uh-oh, I think Chuck just caused World War II. 
that's brilliant. That was fantastic. Well done, mate. I think he's beat you this week, Ija. Um, good. That's the, that's all the movies. Oh, I mean, what more could you need, really? That's all the movies for this week. Well done, guys. That this is going to be so good for when we, you know, I just get excited about these stories because this is, I mean. We'd have to pay a, a, a team of writers a lot of money to do this, right? But you guys are doing this for free just to help the community. And, you know, let's, let's be honest, show off a little bit. I mean, show off, show off your comedy chops. But this is going to be so good. And it already is good. It's helping a lot of people who come to the... And they, they're like, well, you know, they're having trouble thinking of a scene. This is already massive help. But we've been sort of playing around with the idea, sort of doing a bit of uh, dreaming about the, the app situation. You know, when we eventually... You know, when this takes off and uh, you know, we get to the point where we can actually develop it into an app that's easier to use and or even easier to use, I should say. And, um, you know, these sorts of scenes are going to be popping up for people. Oh, you know, get some inspiration. Boom. And they get these awesome, well, mini movies. They genuinely are, you know. That's, I just I get so excited at that prospect. Brilliant. Um, okay, so that's all for the movies. We're going to move on to pronunciation now. Just got a couple of quick questions for pronunciation. Let's have a little look. Um, Jeff Johnson on, ah, yes, okay. So Jeff Johnson on Annie Lausche review, simple final U. The umlaut U, that's that U sounds, or like the Swedish, it's the Swedish one, right? Uh, is some, and the German, it's in German. Uh, it's something that I feel really needs a minimal pairs practice section. I thought we had one. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll uh, look into that. Minimal pairs, by the way, for those that don't know, it's a cool idea that we found out about before we released the pronunciation mastery where, so minimal pairs in any language is basically sounds in a language that get confused easily. Um, I don't know, like, I think it's quite, it's much more difficult in English, I believe, for non-English speakers. Like, you, you know, you've got lots of different pronunciations of the letter E, for example, or something like that. I don't know what the minimal pairs are in English, but in Chinese, if you look, there's a few studies about it. The, the most challenging ones are Z and ZH, you know, so Z and Z, you know, confusing the sounds of those. For me personally, and for a lot of people, I believe, it's, it's the I-N and the I-N-G, specifically with um, uh, Q. So like Q-I-N and Q-I-N-G, like Qin and Qing. It's really difficult for me, or it was difficult for me to really to hear the difference with a smaller vocabulary. Anyway, he says, I hear a dramatically different sound between Luke and Annie. For fish, you, I hear Luke saying something that sounds like you, you know, like you, which is how I say it. Sometimes when I play the first lesson on umlaut you, it sounds like he's saying you. you. Okay, well, right, right, well, fair enough. Uh, when I, while I hear Annie saying the long e, like you, you. For go, I hear Luke saying something that sounds like chu, like like uh, chu, right? And I hear Annie saying chi, chi. Yeah, okay. Now this is something that I, I I know what you're saying. I actually went back and I listened to Annie's video, and uh, I'll put it. In fact, I'll I'll get our we'll, we'll get it put up here for you so you can have a quick listen. Chu. Chu. That's how I say it. Or fish would be you, you, you. Now, when teachers enunciate, they might enunciate to the point where they'll say you. They'll have a little we on the end. Now, but that's not to say that's how most people would say it in reality, right? But I actually believe, I listened to the video and I believe that Annie is saying it in a similar way to me. It's if not the same exact way. Or I'm saying it in the same way as her. We're both saying chu. Chu or you, you, right? It's uh, that's how it's said, you know. And you're always going to find slight differences. I guess maybe you heard something, and um, sometimes it could be your ears playing tricks on you. But sometimes you might actually be hearing a genuine difference. Like for example, when my wife I first met her, she would say um, van, van. Like she'd say a, a W, which clearly to me sounded like a V sound, and it drove me mental because she didn't hear it. She said, "What are you talking about, van, van?" You know, but that's just because she's from Beijing. Or, well, not Beijing, but she's from the north. And that's like the northern accent coming through a little bit. Instead of wan, it's more like taiwan. It's like a, a very subtle V sound, right? But it's just 
just you know there's subtle differences um but yeah that particular video there's not a difference as far as i can tell but maybe in the anki cards she was trying to enunciate clearer she wanted she wanted to say it in her mind would be clear it was something that teachers sometimes do they'll say like chew like it's a little yeet at the end um but that's only because of a teacher's habit of over enunciation anyway i hopefully that answered your question i'm sorry if i i really tried not to <laughs> i tried to say it as native as i can i'm pretty sure i say it to a native level but hey everyone's fallible but uh, i'm pretty sure that that is you know um i think go go double check that one uh but thanks for the thanks for the comment anyway like i said we want to know that stuff if we are making a mistake somewhere oh, i don't know where they are but we want to we don't want to hear about it um christian gregoire on the mandarin blueprint method overview okay even if not rocket science the practical use of anki remains a question mark i'm not sure what you mean if even if not rocket science the practical i don't know why i put rocket science there but um, the practical use of Anki remains a question mark. It would be interesting to provide a process chart about the acquisition achievements and milestones I'm ready to undertake my fifth or so method for Mandarin, which is after 10 years at basic level. Could Blueprint Method be the sixth one or the good one? Thanks to you guys. Thank you. Um, yes, Anki is not, a, no, Anki is not a question mark. Anki is just a SRS. S Anki is an SRS system that is guaranteed to give you a retention of around 90 to 95%. Guaranteed. It's just as long as you use it correctly. Uh, now, you can use flashcards very badly, which I did for a long time, like with Memrise, for example. Great, great website, fantastic website, but I was using the flashcards wrong. I wasn't putting images in. I wasn't um, learning the characters before learning words. I wasn't learning the characters at all. I was just smashing images into my head <laughs> like over and over again. And yeah, it had SRS, so I would recall the stuff, but I wouldn't apply it to anything. And it would—it was very—it was a shallow understanding of the actual thing that I was trying to put in my head. So it would stay there, but similar to stuff you learn in school, it would go. But that's why we spent years making these Anki flashcards. It's not just Anki is Anki, or flashcards are flashcards. <clears throat> There's levels of awesomeness when it comes to making the flashcards and applying what you learn and review. Another big mistake people make, and uh, Hacking Chinese had a great article about this, where he said, and this is, I completely agree, is flashcards like SRS, Anki, whatever you use, are not learning, they are reviewing. So if you're just using flashcards and trying to learn a language, it's not gonna work. You learn a language and then you use the flashcards to keep the stuff in your head long enough to apply it. That's it. It's not a question mark. It's proven. It's 100 years of science behind it. And it, for the function that it's supposed to have, it does incredibly well. Um, well, I mean, if you want a process chart, you don't need it. You can, well, I mean, you don't need it from us. You can go look up space repetition. There's, there's 100 years of research on it. You can go check out the charts and whatever you want to look at. It's all out there, man. And uh, yeah, it's unquestionable. Now, whether or not this method will work for you overall, I don't know. Uh, you've got to have an open mind. You know, you've got to, you've got to do the work. Um, it's not something that's going to put Chinese in your head. But we believe it's the best overall method for acquiring Chinese properly that's out there. But you have to do the work and you have to follow our instructions. You know, it's not like you pay us, pay us some money and then we do a matrix style, plug it into the back of your head. If you're willing to do the work um, and put the time in, I guess. I don't want to say do the work because it's not like a slog. That's the whole point. We made it like so it's easy and fun. And I don't want to say easy. I want to say, well, John Hay, John, John Sprague, he, he, he used a great word for it, which is effortless. It's not easy because it's learning an entire language. Of course, it's not easy. It takes, it takes you know, some, I don't, it's hard to say work, but you know, you got what I'm trying to say. We've, we've made it as fun as we possibly can and as efficient as we possibly can. And flashcards are a big part of that. So try it out. And when I say try it out, I mean try it out. Like do 50 characters, follow all our instructions. And if it still doesn't work, then you know, you've, you've, not, you've lost nothing. You get your money back, right? <laughs> so, and uh, you can move on to method seven, but I don't think you will. I think, you'll, I think it'll work for you. 
Natalia, Natalia Berezina on make a movie for Qing, which means please or to invite. Uh, she says, the order of the strokes here makes me wonder if it's a Japanese character instead of a Chinese. It's strange, but the writing order is not the same for many common characters in Chinese and Japanese. I didn't know that. But uh, Japanese characters, as you see them there, are from Chinese. So there's no Japanese characters. There's like, there's, you get, I believe it's, uh, what do you call them? There's, oh God, I should get Phil. Phil studied Japanese for a little bit. I should get him to say it. But there's like the the f the phonetic kind of Japanese Japanese characters, and then there's the traditional Chinese characters which they use in Japanese. So, but yeah, you might. I mean, I haven't studied Japanese, uh, so I, you might really might be right there. Um, great. Okay, so we just got one more email here. Ah, and it's about the course restructuring that we we're going to do. So as Phil said, uh, I believe he mentioned in last week's episode, with, we're going to change the overall structure of the course, just not, not hugely, it's gonna be the same basic idea, but what we currently do, for those that don't know, is that we, it's one linear process involving characters which unlock words, which unlock sentences, um, and so on and so forth, and then eventually conversations and all that. But the lev each level, there's 36 levels at the moment, there's soon to be a bunch more, but each level is just one linear process and it's just mixed up, you know, so you've got characters, words, characters, words, sort of in a thing. And we found that Sandy, for example, one of our, who's, who's trying to smash through the whole thing as fast as she can, she's finding it a bit laborious getting all of, or, or intimidating rather, getting all of these Anki cards from all these different things, you know, it's just like when you're starting the course and you're, you're it, take, it, it, takes, it takes a change of mindset to learn how to learn characters. And once you do that, you feel great. You're like, yes, but then you've got this whole new thing of words and grammar and all these other things that we're sort of um, piling on top of you uh, in a good way, obviously. But, uh, and she found that a bit overwhelming because of the speed that she was going through it. So we decided to, okay, we're gonna just put all the characters, bunch them up at the beginning of the level. And then at the end of the level, You'll, you'll be able to go and, and, oh, and also the words that they unlock as well. And at the end of the level, you'll be able to read all the sentences and the reading content based on those characters and words. And it's just, uh, so it's compartmentalization a little bit. So it's more sort of less jarring for you. But we've got an email here from John. that has got an, another perspective on it. So let's have a look. Hi lads, greetings from sunny Germany. Having watched podcast 43, I heard your suggestions for restructuring the course. And here are my thoughts for what they're worth. Great idea. It is tempting to be able to slog away at all 592 characters in a short length of time. It is certainly possible to learn them very quickly. That's the beauty of the hands of movie method. It really does work. I think that the individual learning paths your students take depend very much on the individual circumstances. That's absolutely right. On the one hand, for someone who lives in China or perhaps even has basic grounding in the language, spoken language, sure, they can go ahead and get as many characters as possible under their belts. However, for someone like me, whose only exposure to Chinese is through your course, your sample sentences seem to me to be particularly important. I may not grasp the grammatical content from the outset, but by reviewing all the sentences in Anki, and by seeing the characters and words again and again, I am seeing them in context, which is, after all, what the language is about. That's absolutely right. I also see no problem in top-down words often cropping up. So words that you don't know the characters for, as I mentioned earlier. By the time they, in turn, are presented in, in a lesson, they have been encountered so often during Anki revision periods that they hardly have to be learnt. They have been absorbed already. Another point about characters and words versus sentences is, had I just learnt 500 characters, i.e. 1,200 words or more, as standalone elements, I would be able to read... Would I be able to read and understand the stories you provide? Surely not. So, yeah, I would say, you know, a lot of people would like to just learn all the characters. I mean, we did, you know, basically, we, I learned 3,000 in six months. Um, that's pretty much the main thing I focused on for six months, just smashed through all the characters. But I'd already done a lot of sort of kind of learning already. I'd already learnt, in air quotes, um, a, uh, several thousand words and already tried to have a lot of reading practice, you know, 
So I, you know, and I had a lot of speaking practice and well, and I lived in China. So it's kind of like sewing it together with what I already knew rather than being it from, from scratch. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so uh, yes, I understand your considerations concerning the, the disparity between characters and words and sentences, grammar, but surely in the long run they go hand in hand and can't be seen independently of each other. Absolutely, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, remember, but remember, it's, it's going to be level by level, right? So it's going to be, it's not going to be like go through the entire course, learn all the characters, then go back to the beginning of the course, learn all the words. It's not going to be like that. Uh, but I don't think you thought that. I just think that uh, there, there could be several paths, not just two. Uh, tempting as it may be to be able to learn 592 characters in two months, or less really, and soon another 900 or so in three months, there is no substitute for continuous exposure by hearing words in context. Text, I personally, uh, I personally, oh sorry, <laughs> text. Um, sorry, my eyes, I'm trying to not wear my glasses because I don't like them. Um, I personally don't mind learning everything in parallel. The time it takes is irrelevant. For example, the speed at which I've gone through the course so far has been slowed somewhat since the introduction of our conversation connectors. But does it matter? No, because they are just one more building block to be learnt en route to proficiency. What it boils down to is, despite the excellent movie method, a fast-track way to absorb the characters, I think you'll be hard-pressed to invent a method that teaches all other aspects of the language so easily. So that was my two pence worth of waffle. I hope you get my drift. Once again, thanks for the great course. Keep up the good work, John. Thanks, John. Yeah, it's really, really uh, useful information. Um, and that's why we're not, we're not changing the course completely and that's it. We're, we're going to change it into two different tracks, maybe even three. We're sort of experimenting with ideas. And of course, this would be easier if we had it in an app as opposed to a video course format. But we're going to find ways of experimenting because we want to listen to you guys, like I was saying before. So, yeah, we're going to keep one. We're going to keep it as it is, and uh, we're also going to create another track where you can just learn all the characters for each level and all the words. And we're just going to see how that goes, you know. And if you guys uh, want to, once we've got that out, we'll obviously send you a notification. And that's something as well. We've been we're almost done with fixing the vast majority of mistakes and organizational issues that we had in the course it's almost flawless now like the translations are there we've added english translations to or we're, we're in the process of adding in english translations to everything throughout the entire course um whereas before we just had chinese and then we just left left you sort of to figure it out which i believe some people would enjoy that challenge but also i want to give the english as well to, so you can just sort of confirm that you're correct you know um so yeah, that's another thing. I always, I always tend to forget these little details. But yeah, so I'm really excited to see what you guys' feedback is going to be once we've actually got these two tracks laid out for you. And yeah, if you've got any other feedback about any other things at all on the course or just your general experience, whatever, positive or negative, let us know. You know, it's a constantly growing and adapting and changing course. So yeah, that's about all we have for this week. Um, Get in touch with me and Phil at uh, get in touch with us at contact at mandarinblueprint.com or podcast at mandarinblueprint.com anytime. We answer all the emails and we read all the emails. So, and we love to hear from you. So anyway, I will see you in a couple of weeks. Take care.